Welcome to the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I am your host, Steve Gordon. I'm here with my co-host, John H. Curry. Mr. Curry, say hello. Hi, folks. Glad to be with you again. John, I'm excited for this one because um, this is one of my passions. Today, we're going to talk about marketing. and We're going to talk about why marketing is important for advisors. Um, and I think the place I want to start is I'd like for you to explain to, to all of us who are here on, on the, the call today, uh, for everybody listening, um, why, why do you spend so much time on marketing? I, I will tell you, there's so many advisors that I come across, they don't want to have anything to do with marketing. They think that, you know, it's all about selling and prospecting and beating the bushes and hustling and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not discounting any of that, but I know you do things a little bit differently and you've invested a lot of money and a lot of time and energy in going and learning about marketing over the years, not just recently, but going way back in your past. You go to events on marketing, you spend a lot of money to be around some of the top marketers in the country, and you invest a lot of money in, in the marketing that you do. Why do you do all that? Because if I talk to some advisors, they'd say, well, that's just the silliest thing in the world. Well, uh, <laughs> Some of it by necessity. When I was younger in the business, I didn't know anyone in Tallahassee. When I moved here, I worked at Borden's Dairy loading milk trucks from 1.30 in the morning until 7.30, sometimes 8, and I'd go to Tallahassee Community College. So part of it, Steve, is I didn't know anybody, so I had to do prospecting the old way. I knew my mother and I knew my aunt and uncle. They didn't buy anything. So... I just had to go out and do the old hustle, you know, hi, I'm John Curry, you know, blah, 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 shake hands with them and make cold calls. And I realized I wasn't good at doing cold calling. Didn't like it, still don't like it and don't do it. So I would try to meet someone and introduce myself and chit chat and get to know them. But I started just reading everything I could get on marketing. And one day it dawned on me that the real job is not the selling. The real job is to make sure that people know who I am and what I do. Uh, one of my mentors, sadly passed away, he always talked about becoming known for what you know. Uh, if people don't know what you know, you don't, but, you know, big deal. You know, uh, so how do you position yourself as being an expert in something and attract people to you? Well, you can be the smartest person on the planet, but if people don't know you're smart, it doesn't matter. So you can acquire the knowledge, but now for me, the next step was how do I make sure that people know I have this knowledge? So I started doing it back in 1981 was my first seminar, January of 1981. And I discovered that I was good in front of a group, uh, even though there's some you know, comical things that happen. Another time we talk about presentations, we'll cover that. <laughs> but I, uh, uh, we got a guy walked in the room drunk, passed out in front of me between me and my audience. I'm like, okay, somebody staged this thing, but it was a real <laughs> guy passed out and they had to call the MTs in to get him out. But, uh, <laughs> cigarette in one hand, drink in the other. But, uh, but I realized that I had to find ways to get people to come to me instead of me chasing people all the time. And I started reading everything. I mean, Tom Stanley's book, Marketing to the Influence, Selling to the Influent. Uh, I could read off a bunch of names. I mean, the Dan Kennedys, the Chet Holmes of the world. I just, I mean, I, I, I got over a thousand books in my library at home and probably 990 of them <laughs> sales and marketing. <laughs> yeah, you and I share that. That's kind of how we first uh, hooked up, I think. Yep. So, yep. 
I'd like to share my definition of marketing. And I think it's important for folks because a lot of times people think marketing is, well, I'm going to run an ad. And they're, they're really two separate and two separate disciplines and two separate activities. And you need to understand the distinction. So there's a thing called advertising and that's going and buying ads and running ads. And then there's this thing called marketing and the, you know, ads are great and they have their place and and they can be useful to the extent that they support your marketing. Well, they're a tool. They're a tool. So marketing the, the simplest definition that, that I've ever come up with is it's allowing your ideas to do the selling for you. I love it. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. So what I mean by that is like you have your way of doing things. If you're listening to this, you got into the business and you have certain beliefs about the way people should be served or the, the approach or the strategy that, that they should take based on your experience. And I should say it differently. It's based on your expert experience. Okay. You're an authority in and and a specialist in whether it's retirement planning or wealth management or whatever you would call yourself. And the ideas that you have for most professionals stay locked behind the doors of your office and inside your brain. Now those ideas are the most powerful asset you have in the business and they should be unlocked and unleashed and allowed to go out and work for you to pre-sell people to attract them to you. And to me, that's the importance of marketing is that you take that knowledge, that intellectual property, let's call it, uh, and, and you free it so that you can impact and influence people um, at scale and with leverage. So you can impact and influence people you may never meet and help them, which is by, by itself a positive thing to do, will create movement in your market. But more importantly than that, the ones that do come to you that are attracted to you are already going to be pre-sold. They will have already bought into the idea. And I, one of the things I tell our clients, John, is that, that there are three sales that happen, Okay. And, and it's the last one, the last one's the only one we ever count, right? But the first sale is I buy into the fact that I have a, a problem and that there's a solution out there for me. The second sale is I buy you, you're my guy or you're my gal. And then the third sale is the actual transaction where money changes hands and, and we do business, right? But the first two are actually more important. Because if you can or- orchestrate the first two and sell the person on the fact that, yeah, you, you really have a problem, whether you know it or not, now they're going to be tuned into you. And if you can sell them on the fact before they're ever across the table that you're their guy or you're their gal, then when you're across the table from them, the transaction's easy. All right, let's talk about that. Let's break that down as to what I've been able to do with your help on that. And then I'll expand some a little bit more on, on my experience. The the ideas do the selling for you if you allow them to. And you said allowing your ideas to do the selling for you. So let's talk about that. How many times over the years have you and I talked about the fact that somebody will walk in my office with a big, thick pocket folder. They've got every email I've sent them, every postcard, every newsletter, 
I got all these things or an ad if I ran ads, which I still do occasionally. We'll talk about how I do that. If you, if it's appropriate, that might be another episode, but they come in the door because they're pre-sold. They've already gotten so much content from me or know who I am. They feel like they know me. Then when I introduced doing the CDs where I'd mail CDs out for the copy of my book, I had the CDs before the book actually, but they feel like they know me. They come in even now talking about the stories. Oh man, I love the story about your grandfather and your father. I now know why you have such a passion for helping people like me with the Florida retirement system. When they start telling you your stories and they know them as well as you do, you know that stuff's working because now they bought into me. Sometimes they buy into me before they buy into they got a problem. They know well, I know this guy, and at first they even think, I don't have a problem. But then they feel like they know me when they come in the door. Well, I don't know if I really have a problem or if I really need your services, but I'd like to talk about it. Okay, cool. But I think that's powerful. And then now where we are, the phase you got me on, I don't know how long ago, now a year and a half, two years ago, whatever we've been doing the podcast with Steve's encouragement. And he said, hey, listen, you've got a lot of stuff out there. Let's allow your ideas to do the selling at a bigger level. And Steve, you were right. People, I'll see people at the grocery store. Hey man, I love that podcast on the lady playing pickleball. You know, I love the podcast on the couple that retired and they're traveling so much and people just love it. Well, and, and you're not only, um, and we'll, we'll do a, a whole episode on, on how to effectively use podcasts because there are about three different strategies that are at play there that are important. Um, but it, Good. It, Teach me how to use them, would you? Yeah, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> you're, so far, you've been a good student. So, um, you know, if we use your podcast, though, as an example of marketing and how to get ideas out, um, you're interviewing clients, right? And so you're, you're talking with them about uh, the hobbies that they're able to take up in retirement. You're, you're talking with them about the travel they're able to do in retirement. Um, and, and so you're not talking specifically about ideas around what you sell, but you're talking about and modeling what your clients, your, your future clients may want in the, in their own bigger, better future, right? They maybe want to go travel. They want to have these hobbies. They want to be able to do these things. And so they're, they're able to see that there's a path to that. And then you're, you do some solo episodes and we've done some episodes where I'll interview you and it'll allow you to get the ideas out around, um, uh, around what you do specifically for people. You'll share those ideas. And so you get those out and those are powerful, whether you're talking about social security. So we've done them on social security. We've done interviews on uh, the Florida retirement system and some of the specific decisions people there need to make. Um, and, and so by getting those ideas, you allow them to spread and you allow somebody to experience those ideas in a way that's safe for them, where they're not sitting across the table, you know, as we've described it before in the lion's den, where they're afraid that you're going to part them from their wallet, right? you know, and, um, and then you've also gone out. And when you're at a conference, you'll send me these pictures where you've interviewed some celebrity in the financial world because they were a speaker at a conference and you went and grabbed them and you went in the hallway and pulled your recorder out and said, can we do a podcast interview? And most of the time they say yes, don't they? They sure do. Matter of fact, the one that struck in my mind, you said that it was 
a run in sauna on CNBC uh, last year at a conference in uh, where were they? Were at Yale, and yeah. I did three podcasts there, and I did one just two, three ago in Chicago. So not only are you bringing Ron's thinking and ideas to all of the people in your market, which is valuable for them. You're being positioned as an authority because now everybody thinks, well, John knows Ron Insana. Well, so, I do. <laughs> right, you do, because you sat and interviewed him. So it, you know, it works on all these different levels. And whether it's a podcast or you're doing it with written content in, in a printed or an email newsletter, uh, or you're doing it with seminars or webinars, the idea is the same as you're taking uh, you're taking your knowledge and, and you're releasing it to the world so it can work for you. Well, and, you know, the technology has changed. I mean, I remember years ago, I, I just did postcards and they were one quarter a sheet of paper. We just used card stock, take them over, have the printer do them. And I've done newsletters, I've done postcards, I've done emails, but I mean, I've been doing this so long that we didn't even have computers there was no such thing as a personal computer, much less an iPhone when I started back in 1975. So we have so many tools available today to do this that it's amazing. Sometimes it's overwhelming, and I think that's the real reason, Steve, that most people don't do a good job of the marketing side because the things I hear every time, people say, well, where do I start? What do I do? How do I do it? So I like to break it down. Well, Number one, what is it you want to do? Do you even know who you want to work with and what you're going to do for them? You know, we talked about that in previous episodes, the, the who, the why, and the what and the how, but you can never get away from that. The minute that you forget who you really want to serve and then how you fit that within your lifestyle, you know, Stephen Covey said it best, begin with the end in mind. You know, marketing, marketing is only important to the extent that you know what you want to do. And then, you know, you talk about ads. You can run an ad. Okay, I run ads. Most of mine are called sponsorships, like on uh, WFSU TV, public broadcasting. But, I'll, but I'm very, very picky about that. I mean, I don't just go run a bunch of ads. It's got to be where I know it's going to be my target audience, my ideal clients for seeing it. You talked at one time about, I want you to speak to this. We talked about it one time in the car driving down to one of your uh, events in Orlando. Talk about being omnipresent for a minute. See, people need to hear this. We talk about that a lot. You share your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it's the the more I I do this with different businesses, and I look at at who's most successful. The the most successful businesses that we work with get to this point where they achieve what I call omnipresence. And, and omnipresence really just is for the, the market that you serve. And this is why you need to go back. And if you haven't listened to the earlier episode where we talk about, um, you know, who and, and defining your, your kind of ideal client uh, or your niche, why that's so important. Because if, if you don't define that, it's, it's almost impossible to become omnipresent. But you, for, for the group of people you want to serve, you want to be there wherever they look. Excuse me. Let's be clear on something. You just said something magical there that's powerful. You don't, by omnipresent, Steve, doesn't mean you're omnipresent to everyone. It's everyone in the area, the world you choose to serve. So maybe your niche, your world, whatever you want to call it. Well, and let's talk about why, okay? So if you're Coca-Cola, 
Coca-Cola has done a fantastic job of being omnipresent for everyone who drinks soft drinks for at least 100 years now, okay? But they're Coca-Cola. They have the budget to market literally to the entire population of the world, and they do, okay? Chances are you don't have that budget. (laughs) So the reality you're you're dealing with is you got to pick a smaller group of people. Now, the where most people mess up with marketing is because they haven't defined that small group, they go broad. And it's, John, you can think about spreading peanut butter, right? So if I've got a, a big, long, you know, two foot long hoagie roll and I got a spoonful of peanut butter, I'm barely going to get a, a taste <laughs> of peanut butter in every bite, right? <laughs> yes, right. But if I got a little tiny cracker and I got that same spoonful of peanut butter, I'm going to get a really great taste of peanut butter. I haven't heard you use that. I like that, my friend. <laughs> I, just, I just made it up, man. We're, like we're working it. without a net here. So, um, I mean, that, that's the key. That's why we push all of our clients to, to get that focus. And as we talked about in that earlier episode, it doesn't mean you're not going to take money from somebody who's outside of that focus area, but for your marketing you're going to have that focus on that one group of people so that you can become omnipresent with them. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about what you do, um, John, because I think you do a good job of being omnipresent for your target market, which is primarily members of the Florida retirement system. That's your main niche. So they're all, a lot of them, and actually if you want to sub niche that, it's professors at Florida State University. I mean, if you really want to get focused, that's a good group for you and, mm-hmm. and one that you focus on. So you advertise on public television, and I think you've done public radio in the past on WFSU. Very little, but I have done some radio, yes. Okay. <clears throat> for a long time, there was a, a faculty newsletter that went out that you advertise. I mean, you were the back, inside back cover, I think, yes. for four or five years in a row. So they saw you every month or however often that went out. Um, You do events specifically for them through your clients who are also professors there. So you'll do events where your Florida State University professor clients invite other professors from the university to an event that's just for them. Um, And, and, a lot of the direct mail and the other marketing that you do is targeted at them. Now the podcast that you do, um, you know, you're interviewing people from there. So everywhere, if, if you're a professor at Florida State University, you're going to hear from John and you're going to know who he is because he's showing up in your world probably at least on a once a quarter basis, more likely on a once a month basis and in multiple different ways. And as you do that o- over time, you create this, this impression of omnipresence like, man, he's everywhere. Now, you couldn't do that, even though we live in a relatively small city in Tallahassee, you couldn't do that with a whole city very easily. But with a small group, you can do it affordably. That's what we're talking about with omnipresence. And let's talk about, even if I could do it, what have I done to, again, I come back to this word team. What have I done regarding my time? Okay, now I'm scattered all over the place. My energy, I've drained my energy. Okay, I, I don't have a good attitude about my business. And I've spent a lot of money. 
a lot of money that's wasted. I love what John Wanamaker said, you know, the department store uh, magnate who said, I know that half of my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, don't waste any of it. Do it in a manner where you know that the eyes that you want to see it or the eyes you want to work with, number one, and do it in a manner of where at a minimum you're building your brand at the same time they're requesting information from you or you give them a way to interact with you so you're not just wasting money on advertising. We'll get into that, I'm sure, in the future about how do you structure ads if you're going to do them, and you should. Some of my advertising is nothing more than my own postcard that I mail out to two, three, four, or 5,000 people. Well, that's more focused and more powerful than running an ad in the Democrat, Tallahassee Democrat newspaper, although I do that occasionally, as you know, and it's worked. So at the risk of, of, of freaking people out, because it's, it, this is going to come off a little bit overwhelming if you're not doing a lot of marketing now, I, I want to kind of run through um, and I know I'll leave some things out. So fill in the, the gaps, John, of the things that you're doing from a, a marketing standpoint. Now, you're not doing all of these every day. Different pieces filter in here and there. And for those of you listening, I don't want you to think you have to do all of these things at the beginning. Um, I think one of the things we can talk about, John, is where to begin with it. And I want to make sure we cover that in this episode. But but to give you an idea of of what John is doing to achieve omnipresence, you're doing occasional ads in the newspaper, you're doing the, the ads and things we talked about at the university, you do email marketing where you're emailing out, I would guess, what, at least twice a month, probably once a week? Hey, probably twice to three times a month. Okay. Um, and if folks, if you think that's a lot, that's nothing. <laughs> I used to do a daily email, every weekday email and, and folks actually loved it. Um, we got fewer unsubscribes with a daily email than when we were doing bi-weekly. Uh, that's a whole other story, though. Um, you're doing a podcast that goes out every other week. You do webinars occasionally. You do live in-person seminars occasionally. You speak around town. Uh, not as much as you used to, but I know you still do some of that. Um, at, at one point, you did a, a TV commercial. Yes. What, am I leaving, what am I leaving out? Well, you left out postcards. Postcards. That's, that's been a mainstay of your marketing for a long, long time. And I'll still be using it until the day they bury me, and I'll probably have a postcard in my hand when they put me in a casket. <laughs> because the postcards, folks, I'll just tell you right now, that's where you should start. You can create a postcard. You don't have to say as much. And it's easy to do. And most of you work for companies that can do provide you with postcards. And all you got to do is uh, put your name on them. That's better than nothing. But if you'll create your own and get creative, you'd be better off and get it approved by compliance. And by the way, every time we talk about these things, I need to remind you, make sure that you do go to compliance. Don't just grab something we talk about and go do it on your own. Make sure that you get approval. But uh, uh, newsletters, so postcards, newsletters. Uh, and sometimes those newsletters are the size of a postcard, Steve. You've seen where I've just highlighted what's on the newsletter and let people request it if they want it. A lot of what we're doing now is sending newsletters by email, but we'll also, I'll write one. As a matter of fact, I'm due. The last one day was in May. About every other month now, I'm doing a printed newsletter. But the staple is the postcard because it's so easy. Because you have to open an envelope, you see it. At a minimum, you see my picture on both sides. So I call that my little mini billboards that go around town. 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 of them at a time, and they're cheap. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so you also, we haven't talked about your book, so you've got a book. Right. Um, before the book though, and the thing that probably really created the book, you had a bunch of, of little pamphlets. That's right. That, Still do. Right. So, and these were, describe what, what they looked like and how, kind of how long they were for folks. Well, most of them were only eight to 15, well, eight to 16 pages. They weren't very long. Some of them were four pages. It was just a piece of paper folded in half. Uh, but I would, I would talk about various topics, you know, you know, seven mistakes most people make when planning for their retirement. I would just take an article that I liked. I would then do my version of that article. Sometimes I'd get permission to use an article that's already been written by someone and add my commentary. So I did them on long-term care, Social Security, Medicare, got more I'm doing because, as you and I have talked about recently, is niching down, have the big picture, but then have micro of where if you're concerned about Social Security, read this, come sit with me, uh, have a focus session on it, maybe charge a fee just for that part of it. But, but the pamphlets are powerful because most yeah. people are not going to read the book. You can write a book. I don't care. They're not going to read the damn book. Not all the way through. 99% of people won't, but they'll read a quick little brochure or pamphlet. Absolutely. Let's see. We, ha we haven't talked about CDs. You uh, yeah. mail a lot of CDs. Um, and your uh, tell people what a CD is. They oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Compact discs. They're these things we used to have in the '90s and the early 2000s. Um, we were actually talking about that this morning um, about how, how we're not sure if they still work because there aren't CD players aren't in, in many new cars. Also um, DVDs because I would have people come in and record my seminar sessions, and then we would use those. Uh, to send to people, look, I'm sorry you missed the uh, seminar. You couldn't come, but here it is for you. Absolutely. So we've, I'm sure we probably left some stuff out, but I, I think we got most of it. And, and the reason I wanted to go through all of that is, number one, you, you know, if you're following along, we've just listed virtually everything you could ever want to use, and you probably won't use it all. John's been very creative about taking his ideas and putting it in different forms and then getting those out and being relentless about, you know, using these different forms of media to get the ideas in front of people to attract people to him. Now, if you're, if you're still listening, and that didn't freak you out enough. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, John, let's back this up and make this simple. So um, if somebody is looking at this going, I've been in the business a while. I'm not where I really think I want to be. Um, I got to get started in some of this. I, I'd, I'd love to hear where you would start them. I have some <clears throat> where I would start them, but you go first. I would do three things. Number one, we'd be a postcard. Number one, I would just take a half a sheet of paper. That's five and a half by eight and a half. And I'd, I would take one half of that to be the address, my address on it, their address. The other one half, I would put some copy the billboard side, the big side, I would pick some topics, Social Security, Medicare, whatever you want to talk about that you know is of interest to the people you're sending it to and get it out there. A call to action is if you'd like to discuss this more, give me a call. We'll schedule a phone appointment and talk or come see me. Have a cup of coffee. Number two, as quickly as they're willing to do it, they should do a podcast because a podcast gives you the ability. You can promote it on your postcard, which we're doing. So we can send a postcard out saying, hey, check this out. I interviewed Steve Gordon. Here's what we're talking about. You know, how to 
do a better job of planning your travel and retirement or uh, what he discovered while doing a zip line in Costa Rica. So things like that, you know, so postcard and podcast. Now, if you feel like, well, I'm not ready for a podcast, then postcards, either webinars or seminars. I don't think anything, I'm going to repeat this. I don't think anything beats a live seminar eyeball to eyeball, but doing webinars have worked very well for us on social security, Medicare, um, seven mistakes that most people make in planning their retirement, uh, becoming financially fit. We have probably nine that we will rotate and we find that those are very helpful and they're inexpensive. So postcard webinar podcast is what I would say. It's amazing how it's, we didn't talk about this folks beforehand. I just threw that question at you. It's, Let's be honest here. We had no outline, no bullet points. What did we agree to do? We agreed when we started this whole process is it was just going to be us with our energy and bringing out whatever comes. Look. The only thing we started with, and I wrote it down. If I'm wrong, you. if I'm lying, you're telling me. We simply started with the question, why mark, or excuse me, comment, why marketing is important for advisors. And we agreed we'd let the energy flow wherever it went. That's a, yeah, folks, you're, you're getting as close to uh, a seat at the table at one of our breakfasts as you could possibly get. It's going to be raw. I have, I have made, I've been, had to work very hard a couple of times at making sure that I was not too direct. And, <laughs> um, and I've watched what I say and how I say it. But, but um, I love doing this because this is a way, Steve, that we can get what's in our heads out to help people who want it. Some people may not like it or don't want it. That's okay. You know what? That's why you have the ability to turn stuff off. You know, but if we are helping you and you love it, please tell others because we're on a mission to help as many people as we can in this business called financial advising so they can help others. Uh, what you sell is your business. We're not going to get into that. That's your business. But we just want you to understand that it's, there are things you could be doing to make your life so much easier. Absolutely. Well, John, I, I want to share why I picked these same three things. Um, so when I, when I always think about marketing, most people want to start at what you would call the top of the funnel, sort of the, the coldest prospects and start the marketing there. And I used to believe that too. And, and then after a number of years, I realized that that was the exact wrong thing to do. And so whenever I'm, I'm working with someone we always want to work backwards from the, the transaction. So it, ultimately, we want to serve a client and do business. So let's start from that point and work backwards because we've already got, we've likely got warm prospects somewhere in our pipeline in our world, and, and we want to start there. Let me interrupt you one moment. Folks, what you're about to hear here is critical, but let me also remind you of this before Steve gets into this any deeper. Most people in our industry, Steve, they're one and done. One and done. What does that mean? It means they send one postcard and they go, oh, my God, nobody called. That was a waste of my money, a waste of my time. No, it wasn't. Send a second one. Send a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one and a sixth one to tell me what happens. One of my best clients came to a seminar on Tuesday night, came in on Friday for an appointment. He wasn't a client then. He comes in with this big brown folder, Steve, with all these emails and postcards and newsletters over the years. And he says, my financial advisor 
I'll use a different word, sucks. I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, don't you know who it is? I said, well, not really. If you won't tell me, he said, it's me. I'm terrible. I took over my own financial planning. I've done a terrible job. I need you. We need you. My wife and I are here because we need help. So, but this guy, I, I forget the count. I mean, I could go find the folder he left with me, but it's probably 15 postcards, invitations to seminars, things like that. But when he was ready, because I had stayed in touch with something, I didn't even know we were doing it. He got on the list somehow because of being a fellow Rotarian and the process that we used kept him uh, informed. So what you're about to hear is critical, but you cannot do this one time and quit. If you get those cards, do Now, I've been guilty of starting and stopping with newsletters, and Steve, you beat me up over that a few times. Now, the postcards, webinars, seminars, podcasts, whatever you choose, please, if you're going to do it one time and stop, eh, you might get results, but you're probably not. So pick something that is small that you would do consistently for some period of time. Uh, absolutely. Um, consistency is, is critical if you're going to succeed at this. So I, I would start again from the sale. I'd work backwards, you know, sort of work up the funnel. Um, and the first thing I do is a presentation and it doesn't have to be an earth shattering presentation. Chances are the company that you work for has a presentation that you can give that's already compliance approved or that you can tweak and put a little bit of your own um, personality into it and present it. And the most powerful thing you can do to accelerate the sales process is to get people in a room and you don't need a lot of them. If you get five people in a room, it works. John, you've done a seminar. You've told me the story where one guy showed up and I think you did business out of that. So yeah, in a storm, a rain thunderstorm. Yeah. So, and we'll tell that story at, at some point, but um, don't worry about the numbers. You're not going to start doing a hundred people in a seminar like John's doing. He didn't start there either. Oh, oh no. I, I, let's be clear. We did one just a few weeks ago. We only had 21 people show up. You yeah. Know, we did. It one, we did. We canceled one because we had two people that were going to come and we knew who they were. So we said, never mind, come in one-on-one. So that's going to happen. Yeah. It, it's always going to happen. Um, but if you can get into a mode of where you're doing a presentation with five or 10 or 15 or even 20 people every month of the year, no matter what, you're going to do an awful lot more business and it's going to be a lot easier. So I would start there. And the key is not that you're doing a seminar. It's that you're going to do a seminar every month, every six weeks, maybe. Mine average average about every six weeks. Yeah. Don't I've done my don't buy dinner. Don't do any of that nonsense that, that advisors do. I think that's a waste. You want people that are showing up because they, they want some information on, a, on an important topic that is of concern to them. That's a qualified prospect, not a hungry prospect. There's a big difference. So that's where I'd start. John, the, the second thing that I, I would do is I would create a podcast. So it used to be that you had to mail a printed newsletter or then email came around and you could do an email newsletter and that had to be written. And if you're not a natural writer and you don't like doing that, and frankly, most people on the planet don't, um, then that's a really difficult thing to do and, and keep going. And, and I'm speaking 
from a position of some authority on this. I've been publishing a newsletter now for uh, at least weekly. And for four years, I did a daily, every weekday, over a thousand articles that I wrote during that period of time. Um, and I've been doing this for over a decade, at least weekly. Um, it's a lot of work. And well, it blows my mind. So you're worrying me out just hearing it because I'm a talker, not a writer. Well, most write. people, yeah, most people are. And so what I've discovered about podcasts is that um, they're the perfect medium because you already know how to talk. You already know how to have a fairly interesting conversation if you have more than one friend, right? So Hopefully. we're, we're going to lean on that natural inborn strength that you have as a human being. And, um, you know, and the podcast does that. So it makes it a lot easier for you to show up and, and be consistent with it. Um, what I would recommend is send it out at least every other week weekly be even better. Uh, and you can interview people so you don't have to come up with all the content. Um, or you can just get on and, and talk for five minutes or seven minutes or 30 minutes and share an idea, one single idea in every episode. Um, it, it doesn't even have to, you want the shortcut to this. So John, you're with Guardian. Guardian puts out all this great information that's pre-compliance approved. You could get that and read it for your content in the podcast. That's I true. Mean, Literally. So it doesn't have to be hard. Um, what I would recommend is that you get a team to produce the podcast for you. Uh, my very first podcast um, started in 2012. John, I don't know if you even remember that I did it back then. Uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't know it went that far back. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not the current one. I don't even think you can find the old one online anymore. Um, we did uh, 52 episodes. So I did one a week for a year. And then I stopped because it's a heck of a lot of work. There's a lot of technical back-end work to it, and I didn't have a team to do it. I was trying to do it myself. I was playing Lone Ranger, and that did not work very well. <laughs> so it's not. Now, in that podcast, I interviewed 52 people, one per episode. I built relationships with those 52 people. They were other influencers in, in my industry. Well, a couple of years later, I wrote my first book, and I went back to those people and said, hey, you're on the podcast. You remember me? And I've got this book out and I'm wondering if it would be, you know, any, anything that you'd like to share with your audience. And the, the majority of them said no, but 15 of the 50 said, yeah, I'll share that with you. And so when they shared it the second week of July in 2014, they accounted for that book launching to 5,268 copies in the first week. Yep. Made you a best-selling author too. Yeah. Um, and had I not built those relationships through that podcast, um, I, I, you know, I, I never would have been there. Doubled our business. Um, those relationships have gone on. We've done other things together. So it's a way that you can take networking that you're already doing and maybe in your local area. And instead of just having coffee with somebody, you record those conversations and you help promote that other business owner through your podcast. You deepen that relationship, do something valuable for them, create reciprocity. And, and now you're also creating referral sources and you've got this great strategic byproduct that you're sending out to every prospect that's in your database and nurturing that relationship and showing up over time in a really easy way. Now get a team to do it. So you don't do like I did the first time around and, um, uh, 
you know, and stop after a while, whether you, you know, we do that, that's what our company does. So whether you, you get our team to do it, or you go find another team, there are other companies that do it, or you hire, you know, people in house to do it, find a team and do it because your job is not to do the production side of that. It's to build those relationships and get that message out. Um, and then I would use the, um, the postcards to promote both the seminars and the podcasts. And with a relatively small marketing investment, you can get a lot of mileage and do a lot of business out of those three things if you do them consistently. There's another thing too. If you take your postcard and you do it properly, that's why I still like the small ones, one quarter sheet of paper or a four by six, you can also use those as handouts. So when I go do speeches, I, like you said, I don't do a lot of them, although we're <laughs> revamping another one. They'd be good for civic clubs because they're looking for speakers, but they don't want salespeople. So it's got to be a topic that's timely or a topic that's universal. But instead of going in with some big handout, I would take a postcard. One side of it has all my information, and the other side has what? Basically a summary of what I'm going to cover. So, you know, it could be on a three-by-five index card size printed out. I call that a postcard. It's not really a postcard, but I hand it to people. They can make notes on it, give them a pen, and then sometimes I'll do a, a, a note sheet where it's a half sheet of paper folded in half, Steve, where my bio's on the back page. The front page is a title page, and you open it, and there's room for notes. I'll do little things like that so that they have a takeaway, so they remember me. They walk off with something where, who was that guy again? He talked about this and that. You know, keep it simple. Yeah. The postcards, so I can hand them out like candy. Well, let's, and they're cheap too, which is, is fantastic. So the place to start, you and I both agree, seminar, podcast, and postcard. Okay. And part of the podcast too that we didn't say, but there's email marketing that goes with that. So you want to email everybody in your database every time there's a new episode because it gives you a chance to, to touch them and let them know, hey, I'm here. I'm an expert. I'm an authority. Um, I'm, I'm a specialist in this area. Um, and you keep showing up and, and those three things can form a really powerful combination. Um, and you can put them in place sort of one at a time. Let me say something here. You can get into podcasts, another episode. I know that. Yeah, we'll, we'll go really deep on that. But let me explain what happens when you do a podcast interview. Every time, no exception, every time I've done a podcast, I'm interviewing this person about their skill set or something, I'm just thinking of a, a lady that I just interviewed not long ago. It, she flipped it around. She said, you know, but John, I would never have been able to do all the things we've been talking about without your guidance and your counsel over the years. Okay, think about that. All of a sudden, she turned the tables and came back to me. So what happens is it gives you the opportunity to interview someone they get comfortable. Most of them are uncomfortable first. What would I ever say? I don't know what to say. Next thing you know, they're just chatting away because you're talking about them. And then they're giving you all the credit for it. That's better than a testimonial, which we can't even use, most of us. But you're getting something that now people are praising you and they, and they mean it. Now, the minute you profess something, you tell people something, you believe it even more yourself. So it's more powerful than we're even thinking about. So when we get into the using podcasts and, and an episode by themselves, it, it's blow your mind, guys. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Well, that and, and they're awfully fun to do. 
Yes, they are. Uh, They're awfully fun to do. John, we have gone um, a little bit long on this episode and there's so many more places we could go, but let's, let's kind of bring things back around again and talk about, the, again, why marketing is so important, where we started from. And, and, and the, the, the essence of it is you need a way to unlock your ideas and let them go do the selling for you. Um, you need to be consistent with it because if you're not consistent with it, and this is where most people fail with marketing, and frankly, they fail with most everything in life, is they're one and done. They try something once, they go, oh, I didn't get a thousand clients from that. I sent out a thousand postcards. Why didn't I get a thousand clients? Um, I used to have a client, you know him, um, he's in your business and um, he had this marketing process that we we would work on together and he, every call we'd have, it, it was like, you know, Oh, I was I was acting as the the counselor, and he was on the couch. Oh, everything's so bad. It's terrible. It's you know. I said, okay, well, what are the numbers? You know, and we'd go through the numbers, and he was getting about a twenty percent conversion rate on this process, which, in terms of marketing, is frankly off the charts good. Huge. And more more importantly, it was hugely profitable. And so, at the end of the day, he was putting in I don't know about maybe eleven hundred or fifteen hundred dollars a month, and he was getting. 20 or 30 or $40,000. I'm like, dude, if you don't want that deal, I'll take that deal all day long. I'll send you the $1,100. You send me the 40 when it comes in. How long you want to do it? I'll play that game. So you have to understand it can't be one and done. You have to have the right expectations for it. You got to stay consistent with it because a lot of what works in marketing, it's like rolling a snowball downhill. There's this momentum thing that, that, that comes over time and you have to go in and commit to it up front and say, look, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this consistently for two years or three years or five years, because that's where the enormous pay, I mean, enormous payoff is. Well, you talked about rolling the snowball downhill, but let me tell you, it's also like pushing a rock up, up the mountain too, if you don't do it properly. If you take your time and do it and do it in small bite sized pieces, and by that, I don't mean wait forever, the minute you get an idea, the sooner you implement it, the faster you're going to see results or be able to change pace. That most people in our business, they talk it to death. And I've got a new quote I haven't shared with you that I learned. And I'm trying, now I'm trying to remember who, who said, oh, Walt Disney said, the best way to get started is to stop talking and start doing. The best way to get started is to stop talking and start doing. How fast do you and I we get an idea. How fast do we implement it, my friend? So the idea for this podcast actually happened this morning. Not for this episode, for the whole podcast. We were sitting at breakfast this morning. That was about, what, seven hours ago? Yes. Okay. Here we are. We'll give you a little inside baseball here, folks. This is the fourth episode we've recorded this afternoon. Uh, on a Friday afternoon, storming on a, outside. On a Friday afternoon, it was idea to when are you available? And I was frankly the holdup because I had a couple of commitments on the books. Um, and so otherwise, we'd have probably done it earlier. You're dragging me down, buddy. you gotta, oh, you got to pick up the pace. And it'll be out by the time you listen to this and this thing is out. We will go from idea to having it in the hands of people we can impact with it in under a week. That's how you get this stuff done. Um, now, we've been doing it for a long time. 
we've got some infrastructure in place that allows some of that to happen, but keep it as simple as possible and, and move quickly. And uh, you have such a great opportunity. Technology is, is so incredible today. It makes it so easy to do all of this stuff. And there are people out there that need your ideas. They need to hear from you. Uh, they need to be attracted to you so you can go help them. The purpose of marketing is for you to go influence those people and help them. And so the challenge is for you to go do it. And uh, we're here as a resource for you to help you better understand how to go about that. So, uh, John, I know we're way over on this episode. Um, thank you, my friend. This has been a lot of fun. Any parting shots you've got for everyone? I would just say it's a lot of fun, but I'm glad that we went behind the backstage a little bit, behind the curtains, because I think people need to understand that sometimes you and I would do things and we're not even sure how it's going to go, but it doesn't matter. As long as you're having fun doing it and you're doing what you have a passion for, you know, if, if one person hears what we did today and they can use this and work with it, great. Uh, I know thousands will because I know who's going to be receiving emails in the future about how powerful this is because I got friends who've been bugging the daylights out of me just in the last two months about, can you please find a way to get, what you're doing out there so that I and others can learn more. And then this morning when you said what you did, I was, I'm like, let's do it. And then we, we got a book and we did it. We, we're doing it today. We're also doing it again next week. So anyway, so I would just simply say, um, you got two people here that are passionate about the marketing. We're going to share what we know and use what you can use. And then six months later, you may hear the same thing again and go, Ooh, I forgot that I can use that. Absolutely. I, I just simply say thanks for the opportunity and uh, thanks for listening to us and uh, allowing us in your world. And, and I know you got to explain how to subscribe and all that. So Steve, I'll shut up. Yeah, folks, if you're not subscribed, if you came across this episode, somebody sent it to you, uh, go to iTunes. If you're, if you got an, an Apple phone or uh, go to the, the Google play store, you'll be able to find us there. Uh, and uh, by the time you listen to this, we may be on Spotify as well. Um, but go and subscribe to the podcast so that you get all the new episodes that are coming out. Um, and so that you can continue to, to learn some of these things that we're going to share with you. And um, I would love it if you go and help us spread the word about this, share it within your agency, share it with the other advisors, you know, and go to iTunes and uh, give us a, a five-star rating and a review there. Uh, we don't just want the five-star rating. We also want your review. We want to hear from you, your feedback. Um, it means a lot to us. We don't, we're, we're not making any money off of this. This is fun for us. We're sharing. And, uh, you know, th that's the best way you can pay us back at this point is just let us know that this is making an impact and this is being uh, a help to you. Uh, John, always great to see you. Have a great weekend. We're wrapping up on a Friday afternoon. And I'll talk to you soon, sir. Okay, my friend. Enjoyed it. <laughs>